My session is entitled, The Discipline of Celebration. <clears throat> if you're looking, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll get this frog out of my throat in a moment. If you're looking at your scheduled paper that you received, my session is titled, The Discipline of Worship. And you say, who made the typo? What's the mistake? And the answer is, worship and celebration go so closely together, hand in hand, that it's almost hard to, to separate the two. They, they are separate things, and, and it is my hope to be able to uh, explain the difference in those two. But I'll go ahead and say up front, you cannot have true celebration without worship. But if the only thing that you have is worship and never enter into celebration, then you have incomplete worship. You, you, you've, got, you've got to have them both. They're, they're two pieces of the same puzzle that, that stand alone and, and are great, but, but they complement each other so well. And as we go through the list of spiritual disciplines, as, as we you know, examine all the things, a lot of times celebration is one that gets missed, and it's because celebration is so misunderstood in our society. The world has done a wonderful job of hijacking celebration. Don't believe me? Hop on I-40 and drive towards Statesville and get to right around Wendover Avenue, and what do you pass? Celebration Station. And I mean, that's a lot of fun. It's an awesome place. I mean, go-karts and putt-putt and batting cages and arcades. I mean, it's, it is a fun place. But I guarantee you, if you were to go for an average 8 to 10 hour day and just observe what is going on around Celebration Station, I won't say you find no celebration, but I would be pretty safe to admit that 99% of what you see is not true celebration. Why? Because the world cannot enter into celebration. In order to really celebrate, it is a divine gift from God. Now, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but remember into that celebration being a divine gift of God. And we're going to explore that a little bit more here in just a second. But before we get into all that, I want to do a little bit of comparing and contrasting between worship and celebration so that we can have the foundation of what we're going to be, be dealing with. Worship, when we're speaking of worship, that deals with our individual reverence and praise to God. Uh, we've mentioned several times the book, The Celebration of, Dif of Disciplines by Richard Foster. And Foster defines worship as our response to the overtures of love from the heart of the Father. Its central reality is found in spirit and in truth. It is kindled within us only when the Spirit of God touches our human spirit. So when we are moved by God, when our spirit experiences that connection with God... That's worship. Now, if you're here on a Sunday morning service, multiple times we'll mention about how we offer uh, our singing as worship to God. Our tithes and offering and our giving we present as worship to God. But it's important that we understand worship is not an act. Worship is not something that we do. Worship is the result of connection with God that manifest through what we do. You can sing until you're blue in the face and never worship God. You can give every penny that you have to your name and never worship God. And on the same token, you can be so moved in your connection with the Spirit of God and never utter a word and worship 
God. It's not the physical action that is worship. It is that connection with God. So, we would say it this way. This, this, is, this is a phrase that, that helped to, to grasp, to click this with me. Worship begins in the mind, but it manifests through the heart. Worship begins in the mind, but it manifests through the heart. And let me explain what I mean by that. You cannot feel like worshiping. You can be going through something, a very real trial, a situation, something that's happening, and you cannot, you know, I just don't feel like worshiping. But you can know in your mind, God is worthy of my praise. God is worthy of my worship. Therefore, I am going to be, here's that word again, intentional about my worship. I'm going to set my mind on God to recount the goodness of God, to recount His faithfulness. And all of a sudden, what will happen as you purpose your mind is your heart will get that connection. So, we listen to worship-producing songs. We do things you know, for others in service. We, we listen not to act in worship, but to bring our heart into worship. Do we, do we understand? Is that, that, making, that making pretty good sense? All right, wonderful. Because we have to have the basis of worship so that we can build on, because celebration is a step beyond worship. Celebration comes from the Latin word celebrare, which means to publish, sing praises of, here it is, to practice often. It carried with it the connotation of to frequent in great numbers. So celebration, we would, we would give the, the difference of worship and celebration. Worship can be done alone, but you cannot celebrate alone. I can be in my personal time with the Lord and I can worship and it be just He and I. But I can't celebrate by myself because celebration is when I am doing the act of worship in a group, in a special occasion. But I love the, the, the part of that, of that definition which says to publish, sing praises of, and to practice often. Celebration should be more than just a two or three time a year type thing. Celebration should be more than something that we do on an annual basis or, uh, you know, whatever. It should be a regular, frequent part of our life, thus the spiritual discipline part of celebration. It's to be something that we should engage in regularly. Now, as we get ready to turn our attention uh, to scriptures, a part of the big picture of celebration is that celebration at its root and at its core is finding joy and satisfaction in life. So when we put all of the pieces that we've talked about together, if we're going to get a good working idea of what celebration is, celebration is me reflecting and recounting on the goodness of God in my life and finding the enjoyment in my life and then coming together with a group of people who are similarly finding joy and goodness from God in their life. You say, well, hold on a minute, Brother Corey. That, that doesn't really seem like a spiritual discipline because everything else we've heard about today has kind of seemed, you know, disciplining. 
I mean, for lack of better terms, you know, all right, I, I'm going to discipline myself to read. I'm going to make myself do this. I, I'm going to discipline myself to declutter and be, simp and be simplified. I, I'm going to discipline myself to do this. I'm going to discipline myself to solitude. I, I know I need this. I know I need to make this a regular part of my life. And I'm just going to deny the flesh and I'm going to do it. But hold on a minute. Now you're telling us that we're supposed to enjoy celebration. Let me go ahead and before we get into Ecclesiastes chapter number 3, let me go ahead and give you another statement from that book uh, brought to you by uh, Richard Foster there uh, with, with the, the purpose of, of celebration. He compares celebration, and he says uh, celebration is the energy which makes all of the other disciplines not to become dull rites in the hands of modern Pharisees. When we have all of the pieces together, when solitude stops becoming a chore, and it becomes a way in which we connect with God, we're going to see celebration come. When spiritual reading comes more than a chore and, a, and I have to make myself do it, but we get that connection with God, I'm going to get celebration. See, the gift of God of celebration is that God is saying, look, I don't want a relationship with you to be miserable. I don't want you to dread being my people. I don't want you to trudge through life like, oh, we're the people of God. Hallelujah. No, God is saying, I have given you this great gift. Now turn to Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. Some of you are already going in your mind to the, 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 the pretty familiar passages of Ephesians 3 of a time to do this and a time to do that and a time for this, that, and the other. And, and all, that, all those are good things. And in fact, we could have immediately gone to Ecclesiastes chapter number 3 verse number 4 which says a time to weep and a time to laugh, and a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And we could have made our text there, and there would have been a lot of good stuff. You say, hold on a minute, Brother Corey, we're Baptist. We don't dance. Well, buckle up. We'll get to that in a little bit. But whatever it is, wherever it is that we go through there, we've got to get down to verse number 11. Solomon here is writing, and he says of God that he hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their hearts, so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. I know that there is no good in them, but for a man to rejoice and to do good in his life. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor. It is the gift of God. God has given this gift of the ability for man to enjoy his life. That was God's plan for Adam all the way back in the garden. He did not create Adam to be a miserable servant and a slave and just trudging. No, God created this and he gave everything to Adam for his good pleasure. He said, I've created this entire world. Work it. Enjoy the fruit of it. Enjoy life with me. Just Adam, enjoy life. And sin robbed from us the greatest gift that God could give us, which was a life filled with joy. Because now what happens? Now sin has crept into the picture, and now all of a sudden we get greed. This desire to acquire. 
I need more, I need more, I need more. So what do we do? We need to develop the discipline of cutting that away. Now, I'm going to fight against that. Now, sin brings into this self-gratification, this I need this, I don't have time for this, me, 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 I, I, oh, I'd read, but I don't have time for that. No, discipline comes in and sets that aside and says, no, it's not about yourself, it's about your soul. See, sin has robbed from us this great gift, but Scripture is filled with God calling to people and saying, I have given you life. Enjoy it. Thrive in it. Make it the beautiful thing that I have called for it to be. So this is the tenets of celebration. This is what we're wanting to get into. We're wanting to get into that ability to celebrate life. But right before we do, because I know what some of you are maybe thinking, this thought, this thought is out there. Yeah, but Brother Corey, life is hard. There's bad things that come in life. We can't skip through the roses and enjoy everything, right? And to that I would say, yes, you're right, because we also see examples of that in Scripture. You remember Job? Job, there's not really a lot of celebration going on in Job's life. You don't see a lot of celebration happening, but you know what you do see in Job? Is you do see worship. See, worship is always appropriate. It is always a good time to worship the Lord. Job chapter number 1, verse number 20. After getting all of this bad news, then Job arose and rent his mantle, shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. And said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Now what Job did not do was he did not call all of his buddies together and say, Hey guys, come together. I've lost all my cattle. I've lost all my oxen. I've lost all my crops. All of my children have died. Let's come together and have a party. You don't see Job doing that. But you do see worship being drawn into his life. But here is the key. By continuing in that place of worship, what it does is it opens us to the ability to when good times return, that now we're ready to celebrate. Now, the end of the book of Job, it does not say that Job gathered in a celebration, but what you do find is that when God gives the answer and Job is blessed and all of this starts happening and you read about how more children are born and all this, you do find an occasion where the people come together with Job. There is that return to that getting back around people and Job comes out of that. Why? Because continuing on in worship keeps us in the place to enjoy that celebration. So... We've looked and kind of laid this foundation. So what then does biblical celebration look like? Dallas Willard says of celebration, Celebration is the completion of worship, for it dwells on the greatness of God as shown in His goodness to us. We engage in celebration when we enjoy ourselves, our life, our world in conjunction with our faith, and confidence in God's greatness, beauty, and goodness. We concentrate our life and world as God's work and as God's gift to us. Typically, this means that we come together with others who know God 
to eat and drink, to sing and dance, and to relate stories of God's action for our lives and our people. Celebration is when I am aware of God's goodness all around me. And I am now entering into sharing this with others. I'm going to give you a practical way of what celebration looks like. Because again, I told you, we've got to kind of combat against what the world says celebration is. The world is really good at partying. The world has no idea about celebration. This is literally, with this definition, what comes to my mind. We have gone before on, on some of our different code trips and different activities where we have gone out and you know, spent some time alone you know, in the woods. And for me, one of the ones that, that sticks out in my mind the most was when we went down to Linville Gorge. And we went out and we set up camp and we hiked down to the Linville River and we all just kind of dispersed and separated and spent our own time with the Lord. And I think we had about, we had about an hour or so that, that we kind of said it. It was a great time. I got a lot of individual soul nourishment during that hour. But what happened was we came back from the river, we finished up our camp chores, we got fires going, supper cooking, and seated around the fire, we all began to share the different things that we got from our individual hour around the river. So not only was my soul help from what I got, but now I'm able to rejoice in what my brother got. Now, all of a sudden, I'm able to hear what he heard from his goodness. So my mind is already filled from my gleanings, from my wow moments. Now I'm able to rejoice. So as he's speaking, my heart is going out. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I got you. I, I mean, I'm engaged. And so my soul is stirring. You say, hold on a minute. There was no cake. How was that celebration? There were no presents. There were no fireworks. There's time for all of that. But not all celebration looks the same. That's the beautiful thing about it. If you came looking for AP's 1-2-3 process for biblical celebration, you're not going to find it. Because there's not a cookie-cutter, set-in-stone way to celebrate. Celebration is at its core and at its basis a group of people coming together in collective worship, doing things together because of the outpouring of our heart and love towards God. That is celebration. The Jews paint a wonderful picture of celebration. The Jews have many multiple different feast days and occasions, some weeks long, some days long, some a matter of a weekly Sabbath. But two of the feasts that, that jump out, that, that caught my attention, the first is the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is about a week-long celebration. And it is, it is a, a fun-filled, enjoyable time. It is one of the three pilgrimage feasts where all able-bodied men will come, even some ladies will come, but, it, but it's especially emphasized with the men to come. And what they will do is they will all come to Jerusalem and they'll build these little individual booths outside of, the, outside of the city of Jerusalem and they'll for a week dwell in those booths. And what it is to do is it is to cause their mind to remember the time when God brought Israel out of Egypt, 
led them through the wilderness, and they lived in those kind of structures. And for a week, they will celebrate the faithful provision of God. The other one that comes to my mind is the Feast of Purim. Purim was the feast that was established in direct response to Queen Esther being used by God to deliver the people from the diabolical plot of Haman. And they will intentionally set aside that feast day to remember the time that God brought deliverance out. And so they are gathering for the purpose of remembering what God had done for them in the past. Say, so, man, celebration would be a whole lot easier if we were Jews than it was built into our culture. All right, let's stop for a minute. Anybody want to take a stab at anything that we have in our culture that kind of sounds pretty similar along those same lines? Easter? Yeah. Lord's Supper? We say, absolutely. Any others? Christmas? We've got, we've got these holidays built in. But we understand, yeah, but Brother Corey, the world has hijacked those. The world has taken them and, and robbed them. Listen, not every Jew that gets together for the Feast of Tabernacles is actually remembering Jehovah God's protection and deliverance. Which is why it is important to understand no one else can dictate your intentions for celebration but you. You see, we can't celebrate alone but we also don't need to have everybody that is there engaged in celebration. You remember the verse where two or three are gathered? Let me explain it this way. When we come together on a Sunday morning church service, Sunday morning service, we call it our worship service, but it should actually be termed our celebration service. Because it should be the time where the church has come together. Immediately out of all of our individual worships, so we're not coming to worship as much as we are coming to celebrate because we're doing it together. Now you know as well as I do, not everybody that comes to church on a Sunday morning service has been worshiping all week long. If we're all honest, there have been a lot of Sundays that we've come to church and haven't been worshiping all week long. But we also know that there are a few, and we, we can still have that, that sweet sense of celebration. If my heart is right, I begin to see those others, and we can still have this time of celebration. So all of that was to get us back to this uh, practical point that, that I, that I want to make before we move on much further. I mentioned just a second ago that there is a difference in celebration and in partying. The world does a great job of partying. The world can party hardy, and they can throw some doozies. But the partying of the world always leads to emptiness, to, as Solomon says later in the book of Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities. Why? Because it's missing the central element, worship. It's missing the vital part of transitioning from party to celebration, which is the focus on God. So the difference is between the party and the celebration, I can come together, I can eat, drink, 
have a good time, and enjoy myself in celebration with my brothers and sisters, or I can come together and just simply have a good time and party. Now, if we want to get to that point where we have that celebration, then that is where all of the other spiritual disciplines come into play. If I'm going to come together and celebrate, I'm going to have to have spent some time in solitude communing with God, with, with allowing my soul to be nourished, to receive something from Him. Because part of the celebration is me bringing something to the group. It's kind of like a potluck dinner. Nobody wants to be the person that shows up to the potluck and didn't contribute anything. Because then you feel awkward, you feel like, oh man, I know I'm supposed to bring anything, oh, this is great. It's a whole lot better, though, when you got the memo that, hey, we're asking everybody to bring something. And then you bring something, you contribute, now you're more engaged in everything. And celebration is the same way. If I'm going to come together, if I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to be intentional about this, I'm going to be purposeful about this, I want to be able to enjoy some God-given celebration, then you're going to have to put into practice all of these other things that we've been talking about all day. You're going to have to experience some of the goodness of God that comes from that decluttered, simplified lifestyle. You're going to have to receive something from God that comes from some concentrated time of reading. You're going to have to spend some time alone with just you and God receiving from Him what it is that you need and realigning your heart. All of that is important so that we can get to celebration. What I want to ask you is, what comes to your mind as some, as some ways? If I was to say, all right, Real life, we're going to look at celebrating and being intentional and making this a regular practice, not just a once in a blue moon, every now and then thing. What would be some ways that we could enter into the regular practice of celebration? Let me give you one just to kind of help to uh, maybe further jog your memories a little bit. If we're looking for ways, for things that we can intentionally decide to celebrate, what about this? What about birthdays? Hang on a minute. Wait a minute, Brother Corey. You said something that I can do this, this week. What about... Listen. Maybe, maybe your family's not this way, so maybe you all have everybody that's in a, a group. Mine's in February. Charity's is in May. Elliot's is in February. Chloe's is in August. Hunter is in June. So if we're not in the middle of celebrating one birthday, it seems like we're getting ready to turn around and, and make plans for celebrating another one. It just seems like that's just, just the way it is. But, but, but that would be, that would be a, a celebration-style event. Well, I thought we were, we were contending against parties. We are. We're trying to get away from just the party and entering into the celebration, Right? So how do we do that? So I wanted to kind of to give you this example of what celebration could look like with, with a birthday. We're familiar with the birthday party. We can see the foundation of celebration there. But again, just getting a bunch of people together and having a good time is not a celebration. But what if we were to, during said birthday party, what if we were to, in our heart and mind, honestly begin to reflect and evaluate on the goodness of the gift of God of that person in my life. So as I began to think about my children, I go to a child's birthday party, my child. 
I don't like children's birthday parties. They're stressful because you got to plan this. You, apparently, it's sacrilegious to not have a theme. Heaven forbid we just show up and have food, cake, and ice cream and presents and have a good time. But you got to decorate, and whatever you decorate, you got to clean up. Birthday parties are stressful for dads. Moms apparently love them, but you can come throw stuff at me later. Anyhow, what if during that party, I began to sit and I began to look at my son or I began to look at my daughter, that gift that God has given to me, and I began to think and to reflect on their laugh, their personality, their sense of humor, the things that they bring into my life that are direct gifts of God that are manifestations of the goodness of God. And now, all of a sudden, my heart is drawn towards God. As I go to the table, and I cut off a slice of cake, and I get a little bit of ice cream, all right? These aren't staples of the diet. I don't eat cake and ice cream every day. I don't even necessarily eat cake and ice cream every week. But as I go to that birthday party, and I enjoy the taste of that, my heart is drawn towards God in thanksgiving and in praise for the ability to enjoy a tasty treat. See, that's part of Ecclesiastes chapter number 3. That man would love and enjoy the fruits of their labor. That's what we have to be after. That's what we have to be mindful of as I engage into that. And so now, all of a sudden, no, no one else may really be that deep into it. But my personality is going to be lifted. And so I begin to share with others the goodness of God that my heart is overflowing with. Why I am so much of a pleasant ray of sunshine. Like, wow, you seem like you're really enjoying this party. No, I'm just, I'm just really thankful right now. God has blessed so much. And I begin to recount that to others. Now, all of a sudden, I've got somebody else that's drawn into my celebration. Now, you see how it's beginning to spread and it's beginning to grow? One of the, one of the wonderful, wonderful opportunities with celebration is the ability to bring other people into our celebration. Christians should be the world's greatest celebrators. There should not be a group of people on this earth that are more filled with joy and the pleasures of living life than Christians. Shame on us if we allow people that have no hope to enjoy life more than we do. They don't have anything to enjoy. We have relationship with Jesus. We have communion with God. We have the ability to see things for what they are. As gifts of God, we should be living life to the fullest, not pursuing vain pursuits, not wasting time in frivolous, dead-end things, but in honestly enjoying life. So the ability to go towards that birthday party. How about this one? How about, how about a job, promotion, or retirement? Anybody ever been to one of those, a retirement party? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Most of those things, they're painful. 
We used to have retirement parties right before work started. So here's your board. You've got 300 packages on the truck to get out and do it. Oh, yeah, by the way, right before you go, have a piece of cake and a donut because this is so-and-so's last day. Thank you for 25 years of service. It's like, man, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, thanks for the donut, but really? What kind of a, what kind of a get-together is in? But again, take those same principles that we mentioned here and bring into that. Now, all of a sudden, I've been praying. I've been seeking after. Lord, I would... I'm working hard at my job. There's this opportunity that is coming up. If you would seek to answer this, if you would promote me, if you would bring me into this, this this is what I, I would love to be able to do, this, that, and the other. All of a sudden, God answers that prayer. What better way to bring your brothers and sisters together than to say, hey, come with me and celebrate this thing. You say, there's no biblical principle for that. Turn to Luke 15. Luke chapter number 15 is full of celebration. We won't read the whole chapter, but I want to just read just a few verses. Verse number 1. Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness, and go after that which is lost until he find it. And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which is lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Either what woman, having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and sweep the house, and seek diligently till she find it. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have, lost, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. I love the parable of, of the lady with the lost coin. She's got ten pieces of silver. Okay, she loses one. It was about the equivalent of a day's wage. So, I know we got varying degrees of uh, monetary contributions here, so you take your number of what a day's wage is and apply it here. Now, let's be honest. Anybody ever thought, man, I, I lost... A hundred dollars, a few hundred dollars, whatever that number is. But I found it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to call everybody together to have a party. Can you imagine getting that invitation? I lost $250, but I found it. Come to my house and party. I'm probably going to have something to do that day. It's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a weird thing. Why? Because to us, that seems so insignificant. Now, if I find $250 in my house, I might party. But it would be, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of an odd thing because we have in our minds, we celebrate big things. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate retirement. We celebrate anniversaries. Big things are what we celebrate. Scripture actually shows us the opposite principle as well. 
where he says there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. You say, yeah, Brother Corey, but I mean, that's a soul. Who can put a value on a soul? Let me tell you this. Have you ever thought of the significance of one life compared to seven and a half billion? Let's be honest. To the average person, not that big of a deal. But God says when only one insignificant person comes to me, there is a celebration in heaven like no other. And He is showing to us celebration is to be a regular part of my life. Not just reserved for the big things. But I am to come together with my brothers and sisters and celebrate regularly. So let's come back to this. We've got some of the big things up here, right? Let me give you, let me give you a few of these. Because I'm going to invite you to, when we get ready for our practical exercise here in just a second, I want you to think through some of these things. So these were some that I had just jotted down. And not all of you this is going to apply to anymore because you're well past this, but some of you it will. I'm not getting good grades. And I don't mean because you're just one of those students that gets good grades and you slept through class all the time, but I mean you diligently worked, you studied, you labored, you applied yourself, and as a result of it, you got the grades that you were looking for. All right? What about, and this one kind of went to what Brother Charlie had mentioned, an answered prayer. Now, you know where celebration really ratchets up with this one? When you invite other people into that prayer. You know the way that you invite other people into your prayer? You're going to have to live life with them. I'm just going to be honest. There's a lot of people that ask me, Hey, Brother Corey, would, would you remember this in prayer? Would you, would you pray for this? The, one of the best pieces of advice that I have been given that Pastor Mike put me on this, and it has been wonderful. I'll pray with you right now about this. Because there's a lot that I just don't remember. Because of the, the, the sheer volume of people that, that I'm around on a regular basis. But you know the ones that I do remember? I remember the ones more closely that are, that are in my circle. My Sunday school class, my code group. Um, the swordsmen, the, the people that I'm, that I'm rubbing shoulders with and, and walking with on a regular basis. Because you know the other thing that I find, the people that are ready to celebrate with me the most about those answered prayers are the ones that have been diligently engaged in praying with me, living life together, my community, my group of people. So an answered prayer is a good one. This one I mentioned with the birthday party, but I want to come back to this one. Enjoying... Food. Now, not gluttony, not in allowing it to dictate and control our lives, but I'm talking about you sit down somewhere, you take a bite of your food, and it just, I mean, it catches you. Man, this tastes good. Sometimes charity will experiment with stuff that I'm a little bit like, I'm going to eat it because you fixed it and I love you, but I ain't real crazy about this. There's been a couple of times that I've kind of begrudgingly stuck it in my mouth that I thought, wow, this works. This is really, really good. The level of celebration 
is when now my thankfulness pours over both to her for fixing it, to God for blessing us with it, and now, wow, this is, this is a wonderful, wonderful thing. You say, that's not celebration. That is celebration. Because celebration is enjoying life, finding satisfaction in life. And as people, lifting that towards God in gratefulness, gratitude, appreciation, reverence, and worship. This one. Hearing your favorite song. So, in our house, if you come by the Cantrell Castle, there's a pretty good chance that at any point in time, you're going to hear music playing in our house. Whether it's Disney songs, whether it's Veggie Tales, whether it's worship music, there's, there's a variety of things that you may come by and you may hear. And how I think of celebration is as it comes with this, and then we're going to turn our attention to the practical exercise. All of my children at different stages of their life have had favorite songs, things that, that whenever it comes on, it has is, it is generated a, res, a response. Typically, all of Chloe's, she likes to dance, which means that she needs a dance partner, and I can't dance but I can sure try. And if you were ever to see, I would embarrass my wife, my children, and it's a lot of fun. But we'll, we'll, we'll get up, and now let me just throw this disclaimer out there because, again, there's a lot of stuff that the world has hijacked, and the world has hijacked dancing and turned it into a perverse, crude, and that's not, that's not celebration. That's wickedness. All right? But... If we get up and I'm doing the motions of a song that my children have learned at, at Bible school or, you know, if I'm spinning Chloe and dipping and all that kind of stuff, we are enjoying this moment together. Hunter had one particular song that whenever it came on, it didn't matter where he was in the house, where I was in the house, he was going to come beelining through the house, Daddy, 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 our song's on. And what that meant was everything stopped. And Hunter and Daddy performed that song. Whether everybody in the house enjoyed it or not, or whether there was eye rolls, and oh goodness. I didn't understand the, the thing of celebration at the time, but, but I, in piecing the, together the pieces now, there was one time in particular where in the middle of all that, I was struck by, God, thank you for the joy of my son. Thank you for my family. Thank you for this life that you have blessed us with. This is a wonderful, wonderful time right now. We are in a good phase of life. You have blessed us tremendously over something as silly and as minute as singing a song together. You know what happens when I hear that song? My mind goes back to those feelings of that day. And... If we're together as a family, there's some celebration that takes place because you'll begin to hear, hey, Hunter, remember this was your favorite song. Hey, Hunter, remember, oh, you and Daddy always had to do this. And that enjoyment, that, that, that group satisfaction of life, if you will, that celebration 
Do you see how we have allowed the world to rob us of something that is so simple yet so powerful? Because the world says, well, that, that's not celebration. Celebrations have to be big. You've got to have fireworks. You've got to have streamers. You've got to have light shows because we're going to celebrate. Well, you know what you've got to do next year? If that's your definition of celebration, you've got to go bigger and better. It's never good enough. It's never quenched. It's never satisfied. Now, I'm thankful for big celebrations. Weddings are big celebrations. You know why? You don't get married every day. Hopefully. That's a, that's a one, that's a, so it's a big thing. So yes, you don't celebrate to the same degree, which is why there's no standard for this is how you celebrate. The standard is, I'm bringing myself to God in worship. You're bringing yourself to God in worship. You're bringing yourself to God in worship. We are coming together. And even if there are others in our group that are just there for the cake and ice cream, that's okay. Because we are celebrating this goodness of God in our life. This wonderful, wonderful opportunity. So we've got a couple of minutes to get into our practical exercise for question and answer time. And I want to kind of walk you through what I'm going to ask you to do. So in your journal, we talked at first about some of the big celebrations. We talk now about some of the little celebrations. What I want you to do is I want you to think, okay, my week coming up, my month coming up, this, this quarter, this end of the year, I want you to kind of go through and begin to think, okay, what are some things that I can celebrate? And how can I put this into practice? And I'll give you one last personal illustration of what I've already got in my mind working before, we, uh, before I turn you loose to work on yours. So my, my family and I have been praying for, for several months about the opportunity to, to purchase a house, and to set down some roots here. And we've been praying, Lord, you know, we've got, a, we've got a good situation in the parsonage. We're not in a hurry. But if you open this door, if you bless us, if this is your time, would you show us the way of that? And he began to open doors, and he closed some doors and opened others. And, and we've genuinely just made this a matter of prayer and tried to trust him throughout the whole process. Well, on August the 23rd, barring anything catastrophic and cataclysmic, we're closing on a house, and we will begin to move. In my study of getting ready for celebration, what has been moved upon my heart to want to do is I know this has been a matter of prayer for us. I want to have not a housewarming party because that's kind of weird to throw your own housewarming party for your own house you're moving into, but, but, but sort of like a just a celebration. We're getting together and, and thanking God for answering this prayer. Now, I would like to have some of you know, the folks that have helped us pray about this to come take part in this. But I also want to have some of my neighbors, at least to invite them. Now, I can't make anybody come. I'm not going to come to their door and be like, hey, you need to get down there. But at least to invite them to know why. You say, hold on a minute. I thought this goes counter to everything that you've taught. No. Celebration is a way that we put on display the goodness of God in our life. So if I and my family are celebrating, if I've got some trusted brothers and sisters that are coming to celebrate as well, and the lost world can come and see, I don't understand this. What better of a way is there to pour out and display my walk and my relationship with God? 
that celebration. So if I was to sit down in my journal and I was to write out, okay, what is something that is coming up very soon that I can celebrate? That's it. That's an answered prayer, something we've been looking forward to, something to celebrate, and it's an opportunity for me to bring others in. Anybody have a question about the discipline of celebration? Brother Gary does, okay. When you're in the, the worship service itself and you praise the Lord, you raise a hand, is that celebrating or is that worship? Or is it both? Yes. So it's so again, celebration is an act of worship. It's 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 an extension or, or rather the next step of worship because it is something that we are doing together. So in, in that scenario, in a worship service, that is a celebration service. By, by our own admission, we are saying we are all collectively coming together to worship God. Therefore, that is a celebration. We're doing it in, as a group and we're doing it as a body of people together, united in the same, the same mind. The reason there may be some of that question, because we know that there's a lot of people that come that aren't worshiping, that they're just they're here. But that still doesn't detract from the celebration that is taking place from those that have come together and are taking part in the genuine celebration. And you're going to be able to notice the difference. You'll be able to see who's genuinely celebrating and then who's just here for the cake and ice cream. I'll follow up on that by saying that one of the benefits of your act of celebration in worship is that it invites others into the worship and celebration. Yeah. So. One of the things I thought about, and I wrote so many things down, I lose track of where I wrote it. But some, oh yeah, celebration invites my brothers and sisters into worship who may have been out in the dry spell. They love God and they love life, but you know, it's just been one of those weeks, but I think about what your example of the lifting of hands and you know, people that are just speaking words of praise, it invites others into it, and that's a good thing. Um, the celebration, um, we um, start, you start out with how the world has taken celebration into another realm. But for the believer, for the Christian, uh, as Brother Gary said, we, in the church service, uh, we, there's hand raising and there's ways of out, outwardly praising God. Uh, whether that's done in the spirit or what is between them and God. Mm -hmm. Celebration as what you've delivered to us this afternoon is, it, is this celebration we worship in spirit. Um, so much of our life is uh, brought about in closeness to God by spirit in this celebration will it always be what we would term in the spirit true celebration yes okay because you can't have true celebration without true worship so you can come together and have a gathering, and it's just a party. It's just, it's just a gathering. It's just a time of fellowship. It might would be a, a less, you know, negative term. Just a, hey, we're just going to get together and we're just going to enjoy being around each other. It becomes 
the spiritual discipline of celebration when my heart is connected to worship and now I am getting together with my brothers and sisters as a group in worship. Does that make sense? But a good thing to throw into this uh, off of that question is the reminder that this whole thing, you know, the Way of Holiness Conference, and, and, and we've said this a few times, is the importance of understanding the connection between the, the, uh, the soul and the heart and the body. So all are involved in any aspect of holiness, and the disciplines are designed to help us live a holy life. So to make it true, whatever the discipline and practice is, whatever it is, it has to include elements of the whole person, the body, the mind, and the heart. And so the same thing is true in the celebration as well. And I think it's just important to, I mean, you guys had, had that dialogue and you answered the question, but it just made me think always we want to remember it's the wholeness of our life that is involved. Yep. So my take, it's one of those things, to me, it's, it's like we've been doing it for years. We just didn't know what it was called. Am I correct? It's yeah. like when you, you come to church, you've been with God all week. And in an ideal world, everybody else has been, but we come together on a corporate level, on mm -hmm. a group level, to worship. Celebrate. Yeah, I, Am I correct. Am I believe I correct so, and and I think a lot of those things with celebration, we have been doing it, but motive is key in all of it. So so like communion, you know, Paul had to straighten out that church that was going, and he's just getting together and feasting, and poor people were coming and were missing out on stuff, and he was saying, okay, yeah, you're you're doing the action, but your your heart and your motive, you're completely missing it. So you're going about it all the wrong way. You're getting together, but you're missing the significance of why we're doing it. When we're, when we're entering into celebration, we're aware of what, we're, what our goal is, what our objective is. And so now what, we, what we're doing has more substantial meaning to it. Correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, the reason we see a lack of celebration is the the normal church member who gets out of church on Sunday, they throw their Bible in the back seat. There's no communion. There's no fellowship throughout the week, mm -hmm. no worship throughout the week. So they have nothing to bring to the table. Am I correct in that? When, when, they, when you come together, they're not bringing anything. Mm -hmm. they're, and therefore, there's not going to be any celebration. Is that and for those same people, there's no celebration in the goodness of God because there's no life with God throughout the week. So they're, they're not able to celebrate the goodness of God because they're not even aware of the goodness of God on a day-by-day -day basis, which is why, yeah, you've got to have that connection with God throughout the week to be able to celebrate his, his goodness. Yeah. Or if you're getting together on a Friday night Sunday school activity or if it's a Tuesday afternoon lunch meeting with a couple of people, like whatever it is that you've gotten together, as, as you know, to, to do and to celebrate like that, it comes from that awareness of God's goodness and that thanks, thankfulness to Him. If everybody brings something to the potluck, then it becomes a brotherly potpourri of celebration. That's what I'm hearing. It's a cornucopia. I wanted to goodness. kind of, yeah, I wanted to kind of, kind of put that in something we could take home with us. Yep. All right. Well, I've got 
I've got a couple of questions too. So hold, anybody got theirs? Just stand by. I want to ask because it'll fit right here in what you were just talking about. Here's something I wrote down three different times on my book here, kept trying to craft it the right way. So the word celebrate, the, the root and origin of that word comes from the Latin celebratus, which is actually originates in the mass, which is their, the church service in the Roman Catholic Church. So you can guess what it, what it would allude to. It was the freak. It mean it means to frequent. It means to do something often, and it was related, especially and particularly, to the Lord's Supper, which Paul in that passage said is oft, You know, Jesus said, "As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me." So there's this this frequency that's part of celebration. It ought to be done regularly. Now here's my question, and I'm going to start with him and just throw it on the table. What happens? When we celebrate regularly, that means that we run the risk of becoming mundane. <laughs> and and we, we run the risk of, of it becoming just a vain routine or a vain tradition, a la what we are dealing with a lot of times. So how do we avoid that? How do we do something with frequency and yet not allow it to become just a vain, empty tradition or become mundane? I think that's a great question because I think that's what's gotten mankind in trouble all throughout human history. We, we run that risk of starting off on the right path, doing the right thing, but over the course of time we just kind of drift into just mundane ritualism and, and we lose the importance of it. And it's, I think that's, that's where the other spiritual disciplines come so much into play of, of safeguarding and making sure that I as an individual am, am maintaining the right relationship with God because if I'm not careful my my spiritual reading can become just yeah I read my Bible today check 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 okay yeah I spent 15 minutes check 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 I did all this and so it comes with that that dedication and that that intentionality of keeping my walk with the Lord pure and and keeping things fresh and I, and I think another important thing is Yes, there are certain ways that we do communion. You know, there, there, are, there are a few things that are unchangeable, but, but sometimes it is good where we have liberty to mix things up a little bit, to, to do things a little bit differently. It's a good idea to do that, to keep some of that freshness in it, to keep it from just being, okay, well, this is our scheduled time for this. Okay, yep, let's hurry up and do this all. Sometimes variety is the spice of life a little bit to where we can change some things to keep it I wrote down in the answer to my own question variety the spice of life oh wow but I want to you added freshness keeping things fresh through the practice of our own disciplines that we bring then to the group that 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 that's certainly a part of it. did you guys have anything on that what keeps this thing from becoming any celebration like because let's be honest I'll just give you another example take it out of the church environment it's not as frequent but you know sometimes our Christmas celebration at Grandma's house. I know especially growing up when you went to Grandma's house every week, every Sunday we went to Grandma's house. Mm -hmm. And Christmas sort of felt like just sometimes like another day at Grandma's house except presents. So you see like you can kind of get mundane with it. So how do we, any other thoughts on that? We got, we got to bring something fresh and we've got to put a little variety in there from time to time. I know my my work at the prison I try to I tried to add something to my ministry you know another 
outreach, another uh, leg of the ministry, so to speak. Um, I think that has to be true in our in our celebration. And again, I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I don't know what the future holds. If I ever pastored a church, everybody would hate me because I would probably say, you know what? Let's have church on Saturday this week. You know, they already hate me, and I'm not in the. Well, we're but, doing but it just, here today. Yes, yeah, but you canceling know, everything tomorrow. We got it done yeah, today. We got it done today, but I think I'll be honest with you. I think we get in a rut, and I think sometimes you have to break the monotony, and sometimes you have to be radical to break the monotony. Mm -hmm. Do what it takes. Let me just throw this in. We come under fire from the contemporary church movement. They say, well, you old-time Christians, all you do is sing the same old hymns all the time. Well, you go to their church, they sing the same old praise and worship choruses all the time. It's human nature. We get in ruts. We get in the mundane. And like I said, sometimes you have to um, be radical to break that and do things different. It sounds like, sounds like you're describing the life of Jesus. Well, I guess. Yep. I haven't really thought about it. I'm just kind of talking about Christmas. I've, I've tried for years, the entire family, I said, hey, let's rent one of those huge cabins in Gatlinburg, you know, that'll hold 100 people. And let's all go celebrate Christmas in Gatlinburg one year. Do you think that's happened? No. But I would love to. I would love to do something like that. Just because, like you said, going to I'm over going to Grandma's. I got my 30th anniversary. We've been going to Grandma's for 30 years. I'm ready for something different. But, And I think that's important to keep the celebration fresh. How do you prevent celebration from becoming a matter of perspective? I mean, are you asking... Like, whether or not I can perceive whether or not you or anybody else is celebrating? No, what I mean is kind of like what Matthew Jones was talking about last night about denying yourself. Well, that's personal to everybody. It's all from your perspective. What do you hold valuable that you have to deny in order to get past that? So how do you prevent celebration from becoming like, I am super excited and blessed that God has really allowed me to celebrate this but nobody else cares. So that, that's, I'm glad, I'm glad somebody, because that was something that I wanted to, to mention and just got on other, on other areas. So celebration is a two-way street. I have to be willing to open myself up to other people to invite them into my celebration. But in so doing, that also means that I need to be willing to be brought into someone else's celebration. And so... You know, what Brother Matthew was talking about last night was like, was like self-denial. Denying those things that are keeping you from attaching and, and deepening more in the Spirit. Things that we celebrate are things that are a result of our attachment with the Spirit and of our abiding with Him. You know, that's that, that's that joy and that desire that he was talking about that we should absolutely have a desire for these things. And, and as we live and, you know, embellish in those things then yeah, we're seeking to find other people to celebrate as well. And you're right. We do a terrible job with celebrating because there's a lot of times that 
other people just aren't in the middle. I, I, I was sitting on this one, so uh, we'll let it be the closing one then. What do you think, so in terms of celebration, I, we all kind of, I think, can grasp those big ones throughout the year, the birthdays and Christmas and Easter and all those things, and we can sort of uh, grasp um, maybe even weekly celebrations. So I thought of uh, some ways that, that, that I do that without, you know, and being made to think about it was very helpful. But here's, a, here's the thing. What do, we, what do you think would be a way to practice celebration as a daily discipline? I mean, because I'm not waiting on some unusual circumstance or some answered prayer or whatever. What, what's a way to practice this as a daily discipline? Or is that possible? I'll, I'll put that on there, too. I, I, I think it is definitely possible as a daily discipline. I think it does come back to, you know, a little bit like if we're going through a season like what Job was going through, it may be more difficult during those things. But we also know that those are seasonal, that we don't walk through those valleys you know, every day for our entire life. But as far as if we're just talking about just like a, a normal week, I would say one of the ways of practicing that as a daily discipline is, is learning to find the goodness of God in small things and then learning to share what I'm finding with others. So in my day, you know, I'm, I'm, there's a few people that I'm around all the time. I'm going to see my wife and my children every day. I'm going to see... The folks here at the office every That's single day. That's something to celebrate. Woo! And so if there's something that I'm noticing, you know, I, I share that. I am celebrating just in presenting that to somebody else. If nobody else wants to get in on the celebration, okay, yeah, that stinks. I would hope somebody else would want to, but I'm still engaged in the, in the act of celebrating because I'm bringing other people into my awareness of this is how God is blessing me right now. They have a choice of whether they want to celebrate too or not, but I'm bringing others in, and so that would be part of that daily discipline, I think. So pop a top on a can of celebration every day over something. Absolutely. All right. Because I like, I like the answer here, but I want to explore some more. I think... Uh, I'll be honest with you goes back to I think we get used to blessings we take so much for granted mm -hmm. uh, we don't realize there's opportunities to uh, celebrate more often than we take mm -hmm. and I want to say can I say two things mm -hmm. you know there's I think it involves communication there's, there's people that would love to be pulled into our celebration number one and I fail at that but I want to tell you something I've learned whether you want to or not you're going to develop a mental list of chronic non-celebrators <laughs> and I know that's not a word but there's people I've learned no use calling them they're not interested you know they're not interested in the great meeting where who was saved, they're, they're not interested in the inmate, they're not, they could care less, and I've developed a, and I know this is not correct terminology you know, do not call list <laughs> there's people that they're, they're not interested in being a part of your celebration, but again going back to the original question I think we need to open up our eyes, there are people 
that would celebrate with us mm -hmm. over little things if we would slow down and, and invite them in, share something that God's done, and invite them in. That answer your question, or did that kind of help add a little bit? Yes, I'm writing down. You something. almost made my non-celebrator list right there. <laughs> <laughs> I was given an illustration yeah, okay. for teaching purposes. Teaching yeah. Were you about to say something, Matthew? Well, <clears throat> I know when I was as a younger Christian, I I knew older seasoned Christians that that were that type. They would celebrate daily, and and being young and not and ignorant, ignorant of uh, what they were doing, I kind of you know it's like. I don't know if I want to hang out, you know, hang around them or not, because you know, they're always happy and joyful. You know, it seems like you know, you know, uh, too bubbly. You know, but but as I get got older, I understand that when I had when something great happened in my life, I, I could go to them, and they're the ones that would celebrate with me. Yeah, uh, just like he had the list of the do not calls, I had the list of of who I could go to, and that they would rejoice with me, uh, and and. Younger Christians that are in here, pick up on that. Find, look at those people that that are in the church, and and that they're always rejoicing over somebody else's good fortune. You know, there, there's never any jealous, um, uh, evil eye about somebody else's. Their best friends uh, got something that they wish they had. You know, there's they're they're not going to celebrate because it didn't happen to them first. You know, mm -hmm. but look for the ones that that always uh, rejoice with somebody over somebody else's good good fortune. Um, they're the true, true celebrators. So envy is a celebration killer. Mm -hmm. So what I wrote down, even even what you just said, will go with this. To answer my question was, how we practice daily celebration is through grateful recognition of the daily victories. But I mean, I know it always includes inviting someone else into it. Um, that knocks off one of the things I wrote down. I was thinking about how to practice celebration on a daily routine, and I wrote down showers, smoothies, and family prayer. Well, if you think about it like this, if you shower on a regular basis, I'm going to be thankful for that. If yeah. you make me a smoothie, you're bringing me into that, and then your family prayer. Hallelujah. 